from the creators of Relevant Magazine, this is The Relevant Podcast. And you have this belief that you're gonna build what I don't need. And I know I need to feel relief. And I know you'll never fall, but I believe nothing that I'm told. And I know I need to feel relief. I know I need to feel relief. Take care to tell it to It's the week of Friday, December 25th, 2015, and it's the best of the year edition of the Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and this week's show is brought to you by Squarespace. Now, Squarespace has been uh, probably our, our main sponsor this year, so how appropriate that they uh, get to bring in the uh, last show of the year. Yeah, totally. Squarespace is an awesome way to build uh, your very own website, portfolio, or online store. It is incredibly easy to use. I've built a number of sites with them and plan I have a few more that I'm hatching. I mean, coming, well, actually coming up, it's, a, it's almost award season, so yep. the all-new Oscars.biz. We're already working on it. Uh, it's, we're noodling. Yeah. We've we got some stuff up our sleeve. <laughs> um, you know, it's so easy to build sites with Squarespace compared to uh, other platforms. Like It's so easy just period. Not even compared to stuff. It's, it's just easy. That's true. You know? The sites look professionally designed regardless of your skill level. There's no coding required. The tools they have are intuitive and easy to use. Squarespace uses state-of-the-art technology uh, to power your site, ensuring security and stability, and it's trusted by millions of people and some of the most respected brands in the world. Plans start at just 8 bucks a month, and you get a free domain if you sign up for a year. Now, it's a custom domain, not one of those .squarespace.com right. domains. Yeah. yeah. Um, to start your free trial today, you don't need a credit card. You can just go to squarespace.com and start building. Uh, and then when you decide to sign up for Squarespace, uh, make sure to use the offer code RELEVANT to get 10% off your first purchase. Save you a few bucks. Saves us a few bucks every time we do it. Yeah. Uh, Squarespace. Build it beautiful. Well, joining me here in our studio is our uh, illustrious producer, Jeremiah Dunlap. It's me and only me. That's it's right. All, that's all you need in your yep. life right now. Well, what we do at the end of every year is look back at the last 50 episodes uh, that we made and highlight some of the standout moments. I mean, we've had so many amazing guests and uh, music performances here in the studio. So that's what this is. It's a best of 2015. In between the segments, you'll hear songs um, from our brand new Best of 2015 playlist that's mm-hmm. available now on Spotify. Verified playlist. We have a handful of them, and we will be adding more. But one of them, uh, a great one, actually, is the Best of 2015. Yep. So just sit back, relax, sip on some uh, hot cocoa or mm-hmm. eggnog, and let us be your guide through this year. And if you're good... There might be a couple moments throughout the show uh, that we are going to, we'll drop in some Christmas treats for you. Just maybe a couple little treats here and there. (laughs) Pop Hop gets a treat during the show. (laughs) Oh, Eddie. (laughs) Well, back in our September 4th episode, we talked with English actor, producer, and director David Oyelowo. He's been in a number of films, but really broke out uh, with the role of Lewis Gaines in The Butler. Mm -hmm. And then last year, Oyelowo played Martin Luther King Jr. in the film Selma for which he received a Golden Globe Award nomination for Best Actor. We spoke with him about his movie Captive that came out this year and what it's like to be a strong Christian in Hollywood. It was a phenomenal interview. Really great. Yeah. Such a genuine guy. So, kicking off the highlights, here are some of Tyler Huckabee's conversation with David Oyelowo. 
There has been for I think it's changing a little bit, but for quite a while in in the church, there has been sort of a, almost a fear of Hollywood and maybe the entertainment industry as a whole, and the idea that that Christians should sort of stay away from it uh, because the temptations, if you get inside the industry, will just be too great for you to hold on to. From your perspective, as somebody who's definitely very involved in the industry, is there any truth to that? There's no truth to it. The only, you know, it's it's a, it's a lie that the devil is having a field day with. If we are not, if we are not part of an industry that is arguably the most influential on the planet, then how can we um, get annoyed or frustrated when what Hollywood is putting out into the world is basically? sending the world into moral decline. Um, you know, I, I've been to remote parts of the planet where people don't even have running water, but they will have a satellite dish and they're watching, you know, MTV. Uh, yeah. You know, so Hollywood, the entertainment industry is so influential uh, when it comes to the world's culture. And, you know, we only have to look to the Bible and how effective parables were uh, for Jesus to convey his, his message. And the fact that he, again, didn't spend his time uh, in the synagogue all the time or in the church or just with believers. He was with the sinners. He was with the broken. He was with those who he was criticized by the religious establishment for hanging out with. And so I don't know why we should think it should be any different now. Um, if as a Christian, I feel God has given me uh, a talent for and an ability to tell stories, and then I hide my light under a bushel, or I allow the, the earth to be less salty because I'm not going to place myself in a primary position to be vocal and present, then I, I honestly have no business complaining about about what Hollywood is putting out. Now, you know, there are other challenges that I think uh, 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 the church is wise to, to recognize. I do think that, um, I don't think Hollywood is for everyone. I don't think that, that anyone and everyone who's a, a Christian should just ship up in Hollywood and think that they, they should be an actor, director, or producer, or writer, or, or, or whatever. It, it is a place um, that that darkness is is prevalent, but no more than, say, you know, on the if you work on the stock market or in property or you know, the, the, any any business that is um, that leads to people potentially making millions or billions, there's going to be darkness there because the Bible says you cannot serve God and Mammon, and you know, Mammon is a big part of what Hollywood is. But if we just completely extricate ourselves from the industry, then God has no chance of bleeding through uh, into the world. So I, I think it's an erroneous and cowardly uh, attitude to take for the church to, 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 to be in that place. And I have been so encouraged and so blown away by how important uh, Hollywood is to God. You know, I mean, again, Selma was a big in indicator of that. I know for a fact that God 
had a big hand in that film being uh, made and being out in the world. And uh, the fact that, you know, a preacher of Dr. King's stature is, is, is now being given dimension and people are able to see how love can overwhelm hate through a film. And, and not just in Selma, but in, in various films. I think, you know, the, the power of that cannot be denied. So why would we try, why would we try to stay away from it? That was David Oyelowo. To hear more of that conversation, and it's worth it, check out the September 4th episode. Well, Andy Squires is a singer-songwriter from North Carolina. His album Cherry Blossoms is the true story of his family and community walking through tragedy and into redemption. On our November 13th episode, he came through the studio and performed the song What Nobody Should Know. Here is Andy Squires. of evening snow Raise a glass for me when the blackberries grow Few of us are wishing for what is not so Cause we found out what nobody should know Making love with my true companion Hope is the thing that we abandon Driving across a desert canyon Trying to get back home I went to the Lord with a bow and arrow Tried to shoot him down with a song of sorrow Love's not a thing that we can borrow It cost you blood and bone Carry my heart in a pocket of southern wind Take me someplace that I have never been All of this reaping what we did not sow We found out what nobody should know We were in a church, but we were shouting Mourning our loss, but not our doubting Wondering why love is allowing All of us to hit the floor 
down here is one of the strangest places nothing but hearts and dirty faces maybe this is where amazing grace is god knows we need some heart in a blanket of evening snow Raise a glass for me when the blackberries grow Few of us are wishing for what is not so we found out when nobody should know that was Andy Squires if you want to hear all the songs he performed check out the November 13th episode I'm pulling my You're listening to Galan, the song's Weight and Gold. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Churches. The song is Leave a Trace. This was a phenomenal year for music. It was an amazing year. You know? Yeah. There are years where it's just like, okay, everything's about this one genre. This year, to me... um, We turned corners. A lot of corners. uh, Smart EDM, Mm -hmm. accessible, breakout, interesting EDM. Yeah. Uh, I think genre-bending stuff, like Rory and some others, like, became a thing. Um, I think both of those trends are representative of a generation that's come up that has all music clicks away. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They didn't have to crate dig and yeah. you know to discover and draw from influences and so all of a sudden now or or troy savant sure. like a lot of these artists are like 20 yeah you know rory's i think 19 or 20 yeah you know and they're coming up and it's like it's just the norm for them to be exposed to anything and everything and in one evening they can go deep in a rabbit hole and explore this mm-hmm. whole genre of music or this and so they're drawing from all these things and so it's like fresh you know and they're, they're like you said genre bending they're kind of infiltrating every genre of music like even pop music this was a really good year for pop music as just being good music yeah we know? were we were looking at a lot of the different best of 2015 lists but um in particular apple music has like best of 2015 for all the different um you know uh, genres so like indie or uh, pop or alternative or hip-hop and and looking at just apple music's uh best of 2015 pop list I mean, I wouldn't necessarily classify two-thirds of that list as, yeah. as even pop. It's like interesting what would have probably been indie or, mm-hmm. you know, more avant-garde before. But now pop is interesting because of, I don't know, this new wave of music we're writing. Yeah. I mean, it was represented when we went to Lollapalooza this summer. Totally. And and and, and obviously will be next year as well. I mean, this is just, we're in a good era of music right now. Well, if you look at someone like Bieber 
who was known as just a bubblegum, throwaway, terrible, just pop guy. And then this year was defined as like a heavy hitter and making some really interesting, cool music. And a lot of that is, is his producers. Right. But it's those same kids that are like 20 years old creating what the industry is right now. Yeah. You know? I love it. It's unreal. Yeah, it's fun. So if you want to hear our picks for twenty best of 2015, go check out the official Relefi- Relevant uh, Spotify playlist. Yeah. You can just search for Relevant when you get over there. Well, Christine Kane travels the globe preaching, teaching, and advocating for justice. She's authored five books, including Undaunted and Unstoppable. She and her husband, Nick, founded anti-human trafficking organization, the A21 Campaign, which fights slavery around the globe. She's a heart for freeing captives both physically and spiritually, but ultimately comes back to her primary focus, which is building the church. On our January 16th episode, our very own Eddie Koffeltz spoke to her. Here is Christine Kane. As a fellow Olympic fan, I am a huge Olympics nerd. I appreciated and was also uh, brought back to a very painful moment, that 4 by 100 women's relay uh, in Sydney, which you were at, correct, in 2000? <laughs> and this kind of yeah. sets the story uh, for for your uh, new book, Unstoppable. Can you kind of bring us to that moment and, and kind of lead us into what, what, uh, what was significant about that moment for you? Sure. I think, you know, that moment really um, was the catalyst for the next 12 years because um, here you are at this fantastic Sydney Olympic Stadium, which was beautiful. You know, incidentally, the the largest ever purpose-built Olympic Stadium, 116,000-seater, just stunning. But to come into that final, and America should have won, you know. I mean, you had the fastest team on paper. Uh, the women were just like lean, mean running machines, except what I saw was one sloppy exchange, just one coming into that exchange zone um, and being a little bit sloppy in sort of 0.01 seconds. The American team went from being first to coming in third behind the Bahamas and Jamaica um, because they just kind of got sloppy in the exchange zone. And then, of course, that sets the standard of here we are in the year 2000. One sloppy exchange went from coming first to third. Well, then in 2004 in um, Greece, in Athens, you know, one late handover. So handing the baton over outside of the exchange zone resulted in the American team being disqualified. Again, it was the fastest team. Your women's 4 by 100 team should have won. Fastest team on paper. But handing the baton outside of the exchange zone meant the entire team was disqualified. It didn't matter how fast each individual runner was running. And it didn't even matter that you were winning the race. Um, A 20-metre exchange zone actually just decided the fate of the whole race. And then we go to, um, you know, Beijing in 2008. And in the middle of Beijing, you know, a sloppy exchange where you drop the baton Um, meant that, again, the team was disqualified. And it wasn't until London in 2012 where every one of the transitions, there were a seamless exchange in the exchange zone. Then the team won the gold medal. And I remember over those whole 12 years, and I said to the Lord um, just before the London final, I said, if America wins this, then I know that I'm supposed to write a book about this because I had been monitoring right from 2000. I thought, wow, a sloppy exchange. Look what that results in. In 2004 in Athens, I thought handing the baton over too late means that the whole team's disqualified. You've got to start all over again. And then in 
um, Beijing in 2008, I'm like, wow, dropping the baton. How many? And I started to see a picture of the church mm. that there comes times when we're just sloppy in the exchange zone and particularly in the culture that we're in and um, where we've been alive in church life. And I guess with the advent of social media and comparisons, you know, everything's about me being the biggest and the fastest and fulfilling my dreams. But I realized that we are part of an interdependent eternal divine relay. We're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses in heaven. Tag, we're it. We've got the baton of faith right now. But it really doesn't, my legacy is not, you know, how big a ministry Chris Kane builds or how many people she speaks to, but it's how effective I am at handing over the baton of faith from one next and making sure that I don't hold on to some things longer than I should, that I don't drop some things in the middle of the exchange zone. And really in Christianity, nobody wins until everybody crosses the line. And so it is the most non-individualistic sport, for want of a better phrase, um, than anything. You know, we talk so much about personal faith, personal salvation, all those things are critical, but I think it's so important that we actually understand that we're part of an eternal divine relay and we're responsible the baton of faith to our generation and it's not just about how fast how quick how big my ministry or my leg of the race is i have got to be setting up the generation after me and be very cognizant of the generations before me and make sure that i don't mess it up in the exchange zone that was christine kane if you want to hear more of that conversation check out the january 16th episode well, Gunger is a longtime friend and favorite band of the show. This year, they released a new album called One Wildlife, colon, Soul. I don't think you say the word colon, but... I think you do. For emphasis. I disagree. I think you do. Okay. <laughs> and came by the studio to perform a few of the tracks for our July 4th episode. With the song Vapor, here is Gunger.
the mystery of it Finds ground in you, music finds sound in you. Everything rising, everything rising, everything rising. Sing it, That was Gunger. If you want to hear that song and the other song they performed, 
check out the July 4th episode. Listening to Foles. The song is Mountain at My Gates. Such a good song. Another great one. Gosh. Man. So good. Well, before we move on, I mean, you're thinking, okay, I'm already seeing the pattern. They're doing an interview and a studio performance. Break, interview, studio performance, break, nope. We got something special for you. We said there might be a couple Christmas treats. <laughs> Here's number one. <laughs> Last year, uh, saw the the emergence of the relevant podcast jingles. Yeah. Uh, our previous producer who shall not, who shall not be named. She is the worst though. Um, <laughs> we collected them and we called it jingle jams volume one. Right. This year, the jams went up a notch. We cranked them to 11 and what you're about to experience is a, just a collection of some of the best jingles from the different segments, uh, that appeared on the show throughout the year. Here is jingle jams volume two. Anything you want and we'll 
boy. Well, there's no way to transition out of what you just heard. So <laughs> I'll write a jingle for our transition. Yeah. And now, yeah, I don't know. How it goes. That's why you write them. Um, well, Judah Smith is known to many as Justin Bieber's pastor, but in our world, he's probably best known as the leader of the rapidly growing city church in Seattle. Uh, they actually also have uh, campuses in LA, which mm-hmm. he flies down every Wednesday to do Crazy. the service there. And um, and also Guadalajara, which mm-hmm. he also flies down to preach at quite often. He gets a lot of them sky miles. Yeah. Just racking them up. This year, he released a book called Life Is Blank. Now, I should have asked him, how do you pronounce the name of it? Because he did Jesus Is Blank, and right. now he's doing Life Is Blank. Do you say the word blank? I think it's Life Is colon blank. Oh, gotcha. Right. And uh, he joined us on the March 20th episode to talk about it. I've known Judah for a while, but uh, this year we actually found ourselves in Montana together. Um, Your mystery trip. Yeah. Yeah. We were doing some manly things. <laughs> we were jumping off of cliffs. Push-ups. Uh I didn't participate in the push-ups. I don't know if there were push-ups. You were the judge. You were the push-up judge. We all know it. <laughs> I, I, I Honestly, I have to tell you, knowing this guy, he's one of the most genuine, uh, Jesus-loving and funny people I know. I mean, he is shockingly funny. He's really funny. Yeah. Anyway, without further ado, here is the full cast conversation with Judah Smith. Um, so Jesus is, was obviously a huge book, ton of people read it and were shaped by it. What was kind of the, the, the genesis behind kind of doing another round or at least another book in sort of the similar fashion and, and, uh, and to write, uh, life is what, what was kind of behind that for you? Yeah, it's kind of, it's, um, and thanks for asking. I really Mm -hmm. appreciate it. And, um, again, super grateful that you guys are helping us get the message out. It really means a lot. Mm -hmm. And, we fully support relevant, by the way. Just want to throw that in there. Sweet. Um, but uh, yeah, I, 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 kind of a prequel to the Jesus is project, to be honest. It's if Jesus, the name Jesus for some people is very polarizing and intimidating and, and, and misunderstood and challenging. And so kind of before we answer the all important question of who is the most compelling person who's ever lived, which I believe is Jesus, is, you know, let, let's fill in another blank that's also incredibly imperative. And that is, you know, wh- what are we sucking oxygen on planet Earth for? What's the point of it all? all is it is it education to have a good job to make good money to marry a good spouse to have good kids and to go so they can go to a good school and make good money and have a good spouse and like you know what the what's the point of it all why am i here and so um it's it's hopefully like if, if jesus is blank is like for some of your friends and people that, that maybe aren't familiar with scripture jesus are a little bit like whoa whoa bro like that's not for me it's the idea that maybe life is uh, it provides another platform that that's a little more inviting and and a little more engaging. And and obviously I fill in the blank the way that I I feel it should be filled in based on ancient scripture and what I believe about God and Jesus. But the point is, hey, this is what I believe. You know, what what do you believe? And Mm -hmm. deep down inside, I I am kind of hoping that a lot of people get their hands on this and inspires and propels them into conversations they otherwise wouldn't have had. Yeah, Yeah, I I don't want to give too much away for people that haven't uh, seen the book, but I know that one of the things you talk about is life being about enjoying God and that, that, that idea uh, but for even, I think even for people that are Christians, that idea is easier said than done. Can you talk a little bit about wh- what, what that means and, 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 and what you write about in the book when it comes to actually enjoying God in our life? Yeah, I think, um, somewhere along the line, probably in, in ancient times, this idea of God became this somber, sober, 
you know, kind of kind of experience, and God becomes this cosmic killjoy, and he is this, uh, you know, he's got this this two by four in heaven, and he's just really just ticked at everybody, and hates the fact that we're laughing and that we have jokes and that we're having you know, a nice glass of wine with friends and we're enjoying entertainment and movies and theater. And like, God is, it's like, ah, I just wish you were all wearing long robes and humming, you know, like, why are you having so much fun? And of course, when you go back to the ancient scripture and you go back to our story, which starts in this garden, by the way, the garden, like, have we looked at the elements of the garden lately? There's ridiculous amounts of natural sugar. There is gold in the rivers. There is no clothes. Like, I mean, do I need to go any further? Sugar, gold, and nudity like this is like hello this is like the best party i've ever heard of like this is unbelievable and it's all like you know god's present and he like he loves it and approves of it and it's beautiful and so i mean you can't if you you know really kind of takes a second and pause and go wait a minute from the beginning the original atmosphere clearly god intended for us to have enjoyment and fun and rest and relaxation and 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 sex and sugar and 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 art and beauty and waterfront properties and you know all these things are kind of there and and then of course you know that scripture about jesus where it says jesus was anointed with the oil of joy above his companions like it's it's antiquated you know to, uh, verbiage of course it's ancient but 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 for us today it would be like jesus like had the best sense of humor jesus was super fun super funny he laughed i mean of course he has a sense of humor look at look at all of you know what he created like he enjoys laughter and i mean the bible says the joy of the lord is our strength like like what is that what does that mean it, it means that we of all people on the planet as jesus followers should be having the most fun and of course fun for us is awesome because god defines it with these beautiful boundaries and that it's still fun in the morning like if if it's not fun in the morning i don't think it's fun like if we wake up next to some stranger we don't even know her name or his name it's like how is that fun that's kind of a sick form of torture and torment and so i'm just a big proponent of us redefining fun representing fun Uh, i think jesus is extraordinary he's amazing he's compelling he's fun he wants us to live this this beautiful adventurous colorful awesome life and um, I think we have a mandate and a responsibility as Jesus followers to make sure that we're amplifying that and we're representing that and reflecting that. That was Judah Smith. If you want to hear uh, the entire conversation, check out the March 20th episode. This year, John Mark McMillan uh, teamed up with his wife, Sarah, to release an amazing EP called You Are the Avalanche. They came by the studio during John Mark's uh, Tongues of Fire tour this fall to play a couple of songs for us. From the October 9th episode performing the goodness here is john mark and sarah mcmillan one two three the days run its course you are the goodness oh my sweetest friend you are the avalanche that falls upon us in the end You are my reward Where all the years have failed us Oh, my sweetest friend You are the house around us You are the goodness In the end And everything I ever wanted 
my sweetest friend You are the avalanche Falls upon us In the end And everything I ever wanted It is found in you My king, them brother, my home is ever where your heart hovers. My one, my constant, my king, them brother, my home is ever where your heart hovers. When the days run its course, you are the was John Mark and Sarah McMillan. If you want to hear all the songs they performed, check out the October 9th episode. Listening to Disclosure and Sam Smith. The song is Omen. Another good one. It's well, another. I guess I guess I, I mean I don't have to say another good one each time because it's the best of 2015. So. Right. We're taking credit for it though. It's <laughs> another good one. Michael K. Williams is a prolific actor known for his roles in The Wire, uh, Twelve Years a Slave, Robocop, and Captive, uh, which starred David Oyelowo. He was on the cover of our January issue, and we spoke with him about his role as Omar in The Wire, Mm -hmm. uh, his his legacy, and how you can impact the community around you. From the January 23rd episode, here's part of Tyler Huckabee's conversation with Michael K. Williams. But what you say is interesting, because there probably is an Omar in every city, probably more than one Omar in every city. Uh, what do you what do you hope or, or think that they would take away from watching The Wire? How do you think that would change the way they see themselves, or would it change the way they see themselves? Well, I would hope that humanity would want to have no more wires. Mm. You know, we don't need no more wires. You know, we don't need no more Breaking Bad. And I'm not talking about the TV show. I'm talking about people who live that those, that lifestyle. You know, it's you know those shows are entertainers. I call, I call it edutainment. 
if they didn't educate us on a society, on a part of society, or a part of our culture, you know, how, you know, to show how people are living in our country, in our, in our world. And, um, you know, people are hurting. You know, just, these shows are about people who are in pain, you know, and I would hope that, uh, you know, you know, mankind, human race would want to not have any more, you know, Omars running around. No, no more cities to, to make another wire and, you know, or Breaking Bad and, you know, these shows are, you know, they're groundbreaking and they're very entertaining, but let's not forget the fact that these people, these characters are in so much pain, so much pain, they're, you know, struggling so hard with whether it's with addiction or, you know, living lives of crime, feeling, feeling like there's no other way out but to sell drugs, you know, um, um, coming from, you know, broken families or being born addicted to drugs. It's, it's, these are not things that, you know, these shows are based on people's real lives, and I, we can't take, we can't lose sight of that as, as a society. And I would hope that that's what people would walk away from the most. Years from now, what do you think your legacy will be, or, or when people think of your of you and your career, what do you hope they think of, or how do you hope they define you? I would hope that people will remember me by the work I do off off camera. You know, um, I'm at a point in my life where. No, I do not want to run for office, or I, I don't want to be anybody's role model per se. But I, I do want to um, go back to my community, you know, underserviced communities of this country, and just you know, um, ease the pain a little bit that I grew up in, that I grew up seeing, you know. And I, you know, I hope to one day use the platform that's been given to me as an entertainer to shed light on on certain walks of life of people, you know, to show people the pain and to help and to be a voice, to, you know. So um, I would hope that uh, I'll be remembered for the, mostly the stuff that I did off camera. What do you think? Because a lot of people will, they're aware that there's a need in some of those communities. There's aware that They're aware that there's people hurting, but they don't really know what to do. They don't know how to get involved or how to help. Would you have any advice for people like that? You know, um, just, you know, start in your community, start small. You know, me personally, I, I love the youth, you know what I mean? It, it, it could be something as simple as just, you know, going to your local public school and, and finding a kid that's, that's on the fence and mentoring them, you know, um, um, or, you know, taking, you know, helping them with their homework or if that's just saying, you know, maybe every other week, grab, grab the, the local neighborhood kids up and take them to the movies or take them to the ball game. You'd be surprised. How, how much a few hours out of one's in, you know environment can do for one's state of mind. You know, you don't have to change the you know try to change the world overnight. You know, it's, it's about concrete baby steps. You know, you just grab. You could you could if you could change or affect one person's life, one child's life. You know, your job is done. Job well done. You know, bravo. So I I, I always say let's start. You know, if you're asking me. For me, it's always about the youth, the next generation, to start with them, dare them to dream or, or to have hope about their future, you know, because um, that's what the generation, that's what the, this, the next generation is missing. They're missing hope, you know. They don't care why life is cheap on the streets. So much violence because they have no hope. They're not dreaming to be better. If anything better, they don't see any way out. So I would like to counteract that. That was Michael K. Williams. 
If you want to hear more of that conversation, check out the January 23rd episode. Or you can pick up the January issue of the magazine still. All the back issues are available on our tablet apps uh, for sale and at relevantstore.com. Hillsong Worship captures the heart and sound of Hillsong Church globally and represents the coming together of all their worship teams, including Ruben Morgan, Joel Houston, uh, United, Ben Fielding, Dave Ware, Annie Garrett, and many more. This goes on and on. I mean, it's crazy. And on and on and on. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, think about it. They're drawn from Sydney. They're drawn mm-hmm. from New York, LA, London, Cape Town. Uh, I think of Russian. Cape. I mean, it's like literally every metropolis in the world. Every, well, every globally influential city. Yeah. Unreal. It's you know, so cool. Though. It's global cities. It's, it's, it's so strategic. It's yeah. interesting. Yeah. And it's cool to see the different kind of sounds emerging from the different campuses mm-hmm. and they all kind of come together yeah. for Hillsong worship. Yeah. It's cool. Their most recent album is called Open Heaven, River Wild, and it's actually the first time the church has recorded an entire album live at its annual conference in Sydney, where more than 25,000 people attend. They were recently in Orlando on the Hillsong Worship Nights Tour and stopped by the studio to play a couple songs for us. From our October 23rd episode, performing One Thing, here is Hillsong Worship. Tasted the world, see more than enough. Its promises fleeting of water and wine. I emptied the cup, the found myself wanting. But there is a well that never runs dry. The water of life, the blood of the Cause all I know is Everything I have means nothing Jesus, if you're not my worthy Everything I need right now All I need is you right now Thing I ask and this I will seek If only to know you To be where you are and go where you lead My God I will follow The things of this world are counted as lost Lay it all down and take up this cross Cause all I know is Everything I have means nothing Jesus, if you're not my one thing Everything I need right now And all I want is Everything you are If you're not my one thing Everything to me right now And I sing Oh, 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 o
all I want is everything I have means nothing. Jesus, if you're not my one thing, everything I need right now. And all I want is everything you are and nothing. Jesus, if you're not my one thing. Everything to me right now And I sing Oh, oh, oh Oh, 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 oh. I want nothing but to know you And to be with you, my God And I sing Oh, 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 oh. That was Hillsong Worship. If you want to hear more of the songs they performed, check out the October 23rd episode. You're listening to Pharrell Williams. The song is Freedom. Had a close en- close encounter with Pharrell this year. You did have a close encounter. That's actually why I chose that did song. Did you really? Yep. It's like I probably like only one of two singles he's released this year. It's not he, I, he didn't have a big album or anything. Yeah, I had a close encounter with him and just got out on bail last week. So ours were pretty much the exact opposite. <laughs> This past January, I traveled to Morocco to visit the set of the NBC series AD. Um, The show's produced by Roma Downey and Mark Burnett, and it picks up on the time after Jesus' crucifixion. It's fascinating because it delved into the political and social tension of that time and really looks at how 12 men essentially took down the Roman Empire. Mm -hmm. I thought it was really well done, and it was an amazing experience seeing it in first person. They basically built a first century Jerusalem in the middle of the Moroccan desert to scale. I mean, it wasn't like a little replica off on the hill. Right, a little soundstage replica. No, it was live, and you could walk around it. It's amazing. All the details were unreal. While I was there, I talked to Roma about the show and the characters and the production behind the series. From the March 27th episode, here's part of my conversation with Roma Downey, recorded on set in Morocco. The thing that struck me watching parts of the first episode uh, with you wasn't the Bible moments. I mean, it's like we've heard those. Uh, It was was actually the characters and the drama that, you know, you guys brought to life behind the scenes, the things that probably led up to these moments. And it like, 
I, I felt it illuminated the scripture in a way that I hadn't experienced before. It was really amazing. And even watching the taping today, I mean, some of these scenes are just like jaw-dropping drama, you know? Yes. It's so cool to see. Yeah, there is an amazing uh, a drama in this. You know, and I think what AD does and does so well is that it has big, huge, epic moments. It has scale. It has, um, you know, sets and casts of hundreds and Roman legions and, you know, big battles. And then it has the beauty of intimacy. Yeah. These small, profound moments of deep relationship. Moments where the Holy Spirit comes and fills this frightened group and strengthens them. Um, you know, amazing moments like episode three, where we see them gathered fearfully knowing that Jesus has promised that he was sent the Holy Spirit, but not knowing when the Holy Spirit would come or in what f form it might take. Um, really, the Holy Spirit is the star of A.D. Hmm. You know, the Holy Spirit is mentioned over 50 times by name in the book of Acts alone. You know, as we've been sitting around in writing rooms, working always with biblical scholars and advisors to make sure that when we do come into Scripture, that we come in accurately and that we portray that story with truth. But um, the book of Acts is the backbone for A.D., but we have woven other stories, drawing from history, drawing from the writings of Josephus, um, drawing in a way to to color in these stories, to, you know, to give a context both from the political carrying on of what was happening at the time. Uh, and it was madly complicated, you know. It's, there, there was such oppression uh, from the Romans and there were people still trying to hold on to power and status. Um, and then in the midst of us, um, you know, you had Jesus and the messages of Jesus which, you know, miraculously prevails in spite of everything that would indicate these guys are about to get shut down. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, of course we know that they didn't. And then ironically, the very roads that were built by the very Romans to come in here and oppress these people become the roads, really, upon which the word goes out forth and, and uh, spread around the world, and which is why there are over two billion Christians today. Peter, one day you will die for me. We are fishermen, not fighters. I never had you for a coward. My son chose you for a reason, Peter. Join us and become a real force to be reckoned with. We are already beyond counting! My son chose you for a reason. He knew your faith was strong enough to help you to become the man our people need you to be. Are you Peter? Please come. I know you have done it before. Bring her back, please. In the name of Jesus Christ, be healed. Child, hear me. I walked with him, ate with him, called him my friend. In the name of Jesus Christ, be healed. I remember when you were, uh, when the Bible miniseries was about to come out, you were um, showing it around and I was at a gathering that you presented it and you kind of shared your heart saying this was 
uh, yours and Mark's kind of gift back to the church. It was like your tithe back. Did you ever think it would end up sparking something of this scale? You know, our, our very dear friend, Pastor Rick Warren, always jokes with us that the most dangerous prayer you can pray is use me. And um, he always says, because if you pray that prayer, then you have to be ready for the fact that maybe God just indeed might use you. And if that happens, then you got to get up and you got to get out and you got to go do something about it. So we felt a call in our hearts to do this, you know. We really felt that there was a potential here to take our story and to present it in a way that makes it cool and compelling and um, and relatable and human, you know, and, and then bringing in these supernatural elements so we understand the, you know, what the Holy Spirit is and that we understand that the Holy Spirit's available to us. It wasn't just back in the first century that, um, you know, that still today our faith is alive. And and um, it's been such a privilege for us uh, and our own um, faith to be able to use our talents and the gifts that we have been given to put this um, TV uh, you know, series together, and I, and I might add, you know, Mark and I, of course, are a husband and wife, and many uh, husbands and wives, you know, would be perhaps challenged working together and spending, you know, quite as much time together as we do. But we're really, we're really best friends, you know, and we share a heart for this. This is, this is not just a job for us, you know. This is. This is our faith, and this is something that we have just lovingly poured our hearts and our souls into. And, um, uh, you know, it's been really the the best of times being able to make this. It's not to say it's been without its challenges, and I'm sure, you know, there may indeed be more challenges ahead um, because you can write on a script, you know, um, like yesterday's work, for instance, uh, the emperor arrives at the palace, right? It takes however many words that is, one line on the script, and suddenly, you know, 500 people later, as the chariots are coming up the driveway and the extras in their endless suits of armor, and, you know, it's all, it's work, mm-hmm. and it's hard work, um, but it's, a, it's really been worth it. That was Roma Downey. If you want to hear more of that conversation, check out the March 27th episode. The Brilliance is a creative worship duo comprised of David Gunger and John Arndt. They create beautiful, complex worship uh, and came by the studio back in April to play a few songs for us. They brought like 10 musicians, it seemed. <laughs> and shoved them in a tiny little corner. Yeah, yeah. We were recording it and it was before we figured out this space. And so we set them up and they brought way more people than we thought they were bringing. Right. Violinists, horns. It was, it was crazy. Yeah. But the songs they recorded were amazing. They really were. Performing Brother, here is The Brilliance.
the garment of our courage The power to make the peace we long to know was the brilliance if you want to hear that song and the other songs they performed check out the april 24th episode Listening to Alice in Wonderland, mm. the song is "Run." That's she, one of those genre-bending albums. That was I don't know. So it's cool. EDM. It's just smart EDM that yeah. draws from a lot of influences. Well, but it's like more. You, you get more pop than you would. You would. Guess. Well, it's because she, as an artist, while a DJ, yeah, she's classically trained. She's a classically trained and so you know cool. musician, and is a world-renowned DJ. Yeah. So when we saw her at Lala, mm-hmm. it was interesting because she was just running a DJ set. Yeah. And she played some of her stuff, but it wasn't like they were performing it live. Right. Um, it was this whole musician, producer, DJ thing is... All the lines are getting blurred everywhere. Yeah, it's crazy. It's fascinating. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Brian Houston is the pastor of Hillsong Church in Sydney, Australia, and pastor of that, that group you heard a couple songs ago. Yeah, that new group we, that are, we're breaking here on that the little, podcast. That little indie group, yeah. uh, Hillsong Worship. He, he's one of the most influential leaders in the global church, easily. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This year, Brian released a book called Live, Love, Lead, colon, <laughs> and joined us on our, on our October 2nd episode to talk about it. Uh, Brian actually came by the studio uh, for the interview with our editorial director, Aaron Hambury. Here is part of Aaron's conversation with Brian Houston. 
So one of the points you made strongly in the book, and this is going back to what you talked about a minute ago with narrow versus tight, mm. you were talking about um, uh, the message versus methods, I guess I, I could mm. say, and, and you made a very strong statement about Jesus never changes, and you used the phrase, the gospel is sacred. But then you go on to say, but methods change, so you're yeah. kind of pitting. Um, maybe some of why you do what you do in terms of in Paul's terms and then maybe the context the sphere those things could seem to be intention right so one thing doesn't change but these other things do change so can you talk about the relationship of an unchanging message with changing methods maybe theoretically sure but how you all played that out at Hillsong well you sure can't unwrite the Bible or try to change to suit today socially the scripture or the intent of the scripture so the message is timeless it's uh, you know we can't play with that But I think the methods have to change. I mean, I'm talking right now on a podcast that's from Relevant Magazine. I'm sure it's called Relevant Magazine for a reason. And of course, this was pioneered by a guy from a publishing family. So the audience may be different, perhaps the style may be different, but the message is still the same. And that's how I see it. I just feel like the church can't die on the vine. The graying of the church, I'm 61, but the graying of the church is means churches that once God was doing something incredible and sadly they're a shadow of what they used to be. I'm intentional about pushing things younger. Uh, That's why we have Young and Free as well as United who were the Young and Free Mm -hmm. 10 years ago. Uh, I'm really intentional about that. Relevant by the way to me isn't necessarily holes in your jeans or or, or tattoos or cool cool lights and video images in, in church. To me relevance is about the difference between what you say and what you represent and the life you're living and if that gap's big then we're irrelevant our relevance comes from us living out the message that God's given us for some of us who maybe don't do that well maybe because we're jaded of all the hate floating around the internet or rage internet rage floating around we don't really know what is good criticism and what's bad uh you say you've or you've mentioned in the book that you arrived at this kind of balance as friends who have this credibility who can speak into your life and but then you can also um, put aside the other can you speak about that balance and how, how you've thought through that it's hard for me to talk about because i've never been criticized in my life <laughs> not this morning well, that i know of anyway <laughs> mind you i haven't read uh, twitter yet so who knows but um Look, there are people on the periphery of our lives. Sadly, there are people that hide behind keyboards or behind ivory towers, you know, and just point arrows at other people. And sometimes they're very, in my mind, intellectually proud. I don't know that some of them have any real revelation of the gospel and the Great Commission. And, uh, you know, to me, it's first, I think it's gutless. But to me also, if you're going to be who God's called you to be, you can't be swayed by it. I think about opinion and counsel. Mm. So many people, they say, if you want my opinion, well, to be honest, we're going to get it whether we want it or not. (laughs) Counsel's invited. And you get godly counsel from the people you trust, the people you respect, the people that you've done time with. Uh, You'll get opinion from everywhere. Mm. And if you live by other people's opinions, uh, I'll tell you right now, you'll... uh, well, you're just certainly not going to be strong enough to be pointed where you're going. But counsel's important. Godly counsel. I think you know, people look at me as a strong leader, but people who really know the way we work on the inside, we have a church board, we have elders, and I see them as people who put counsel into my life and key friends and close friends. And I, I wouldn't be as arrogant to believe that I don't need that. 
What does it look like for you um, for Live Love Lead to be successful? I mean, what, what is it you're wanting out of the book? I, I want to help people. That's first and foremost, and I can say that honestly. I actually believe in this book. I have no trouble talking about it because to me it's not just some, some product I'm pushing, you know. Some, I, I put my heart and soul into it. It's got some of our story, Hillsong's story, but it really is pointing to other people's story. And I just feel like I'm at the stage of life and at the time in life where I want to take whatever I can to arm other people to do what God's called them to do and be who God's called them to be. That was Brian Houston. If you want to hear more of that conversation, check out the October 2nd episode. Well, Matt Marr and John Guerra have collaborated and written many songs together. So when they came by the studio this fall, um, we thought it would be cool to have them perform some of their favorite songs for us. From the November 6th episode, performing Stained Glass from John's album, Little Songs, here is Matt Marr and John Guerra. All my days I've been wearing the mistakes I've made Like a coat I could have thrown away Should have brought it to you All my pain Like a fire burning in the Like a stain I couldn't wash away Should've brought it to you Show me what you see when you look at me Show me what is real more than what I feel We have stains, it's true when your light shines through We all look like stained glass windows to you All my fears I've got one for every single tear Like a flood that's rushing through these years Bring it all to you Cause we both know I've been barely holding on to hope Like a sneaker with the one out soul Bring it all to you. I bring it all to you. Show me what you see when you look at me. Show me what is real more than what I feel. We have stains, it's true, but when you Shines through We all look like stained glass Windows 
close to you We all look like stained glass windows So shine, shine, shine Shine, shine, shine Shine, shine, shine To your own we see To your own we That was Matt Marr and John Guerra. If you want to hear that song and the other song they performed, which is from Matt's album, check out the November 6th episode. Well, that's all the highlights we have for you um, on this best of 2015 episode of the podcast. Guys, I, I just want to thank you, the listeners, for everything uh, that's that's happened this year. We won an award. Do you yeah. remember that? For yeah. uh, Best Religious Podcast. That's right. Which is crazy. It's sitting here on the shelf yeah. um, from the Academy of Podcasters. And and more than that, I mean, the, the, the listenership has continued to grow. Yeah. The feedback has been amazing. Um, we have so much fun interacting with you guys on Twitter at, at Relevant Podcast and, and uh, seeing all the stuff you're posting on the episode pages at the website. Um, this is definitely definitely a two-way dynamic, even sure. though you're listening to us and we don't really get to hear you. Um, the fact that you guys reach out, you send us presents, you you, you write in all the time, uh, it means it means the world. This is the highlight of my week. Yeah. And I know Eddie and Joy and, and Jesse and and um, Shauna feel, feel the same. Low point of my week. Just ultra low point, but I love that you guys love it. <laughs> um, you know, we have, uh, because of the momentum that's happening uh, with with this show, we have a lot of exciting things in store for really, next year. Really exciting stuff. And um, it's, it's stuff I think you guys will like. I'm biting my tongue not to tell you about it yet, but you'll hear very soon yeah. some of the stuff that we have in the works. We we had our 10-year anniversary show this year. There there may be, you know, more things like that happening, more more show things mm-hmm. happening. Um, just a lot going on. And it's all because of you guys. So thank you very much. Thank you for supporting the sponsors that underwrite the show. Thank you for buying Harry's and Warby and, and signing up for Squarespace and tweeting about it and telling your friends. It really actually does make a difference. It actually does. The reason why Squarespace keeps coming back is because you guys are have, you know, you really like the product. You keep you keep signing up for it. And then they, they, they keep coming back too. And that keeps the show going. And that allows things like our, our anniversary event mm-hmm. and some of the other stuff we're cooking up to, to happen. Yeah. So... Like th- it- 
literally makes a difference that you guys do that. Absolutely. You know? So thank you for supporting our sponsors. Thank you for supporting the show. Thanks for listening. Um, thank you for giving us so much feedback and, and engaging um, all this. Thanks for subscribing to the magazine. Those of you that do, thank you for coming to the website and sharing the articles. This has been a big year of growth here at Relevant, and um, we're, we're one of the few magazines out there that the magazine's still growing, yeah. you know, and, and the website is growing leaps and bounds, and um, it's, it's all because of you guys. So thank you so much for everything. Have an amazing holiday season with your families um, and Christmas and New Year's. We will have next week off as yep. a show, but we will be back with a brand new episode on January 8th. So just a one week break. Hopefully that doesn't like unsubscribe you on your uh, <laughs> Apple podcast right. feed. Just a one week break. We'll be back um, again. Thanks for everything. Merry Christmas. Happy right. New Year, everybody. We'll see you next year. Thanks for listening to The Relevant Podcast. Connect with us on Twitter, at Relevant Podcast, and get bonus material from this episode and more at the podcast section on relevantmagazine.com. And don't forget to check the magazine out. It's available on newsstands and at the iTunes App Store, or you can subscribe online at relevantmagazine.com slash subscribe. Never talk about this to anyone because your ghost dad will visit you and inspire you one day. <laughs> Script written. It's Lobster Fest. I've got to head over and get my rap scallion for lunch. Yeah, go in front of an oscillating fan and open this envelope. Hint, hint, no glitter inside. You failed miserably. You're never getting an opportunity to be on the podcast again. Now leave. There's a zombie cat that I just saw dig himself out of a four feet deep hole and he's walking right towards me. Hello, I'll take one for the boy next door, please. I want someone who's got going through a hard time next week to be like, oh, I'm, I'm really down and out. Like, life's really got me down. But you know what? Right now, there's a guy who's been listening to Nickelback for days straight. You don't, you don't sell 50 million albums being a fool. And I've been listening to the music to prove it. Any conflicted feelings I had about making fun of Nickelback for a week straight, I lost. I did not care. I hated them. Dude, that's how you break it in. That's how you break in a good leather jacket is a couple rounds of racquetball. Good news, we got quite the show planned this evening. I don't need Uncle Sam with all his fancy equipment that, that causes no environmental damage. Officer, I'm not trying to make you look bad here. I just want to let you know, the president follows me on Twitter. I'm going to jump right to it. Joel Houston's baby hair go. Daddy? How do you turn it off? Adam, can you Google that while I'm, while I'm talking to him and confirm that's true? I'm just going to break my heart if it's not. I mean, he went down in a blaze of glory. We need to give people potassium. They've been sitting in the same position for three and a half hours. I'm going to move out of Alaska with, with one last heist. We're replacing John David with the robotic moon monkey. <laughs> no, sorry, that's that's a good choice. Uh, there, we go, there we go. I was going to say something totally unrelated. Hey, Eddie, what did the, why didn't the hippie lifeguard, why didn't the lifeguard save the hippie from drowning? Why? He was too far out, man. <laughs> <laughs>
so dumb. Just, so stupid. You just keep it all. <laughs> He's so devoted to his kids that he put them on his body forever as a lasting reminder of his love. What a nerd! How inspired were you by Natalie Maines? Who's throwing shade on stretch pants now, Beth? Bring your pickling operation indoors. Mom said 96 rolls, right? I can't believe it's not body butter. Cook it long enough where the smell's gone. I, I, I would say it probably was his finest moment. And there is no going back. There's only forward. You'll feel the outlaws nibbling on your ear. If you want me out of here, you're going to have to blow me out of this thing. The chimney sweeps are on strike again. And he's stuck in his tube and his thigh is very chafed. Admission, one hug. Come here, you. By the way, the place we're going is haunted. Winking ghost. Chad and I are now one! On this episode, lift with your legs. Myth or reality. Do you smell what the rock is brewing? Hey guys, you hear that sound? It's another episode of Valet! Exclamation point. I don't mean to frighten you, Cameron, but there's a good chance that's a demon alien. You do the math. You got mermen crawling all over Poland. I spent a long seven hours in and out of consciousness in Oprah's koi pond. What's the worst that can go wrong other than maiming someone inadvertently? If I get pulled over and someone gives me ice cream, I'm not going to be upset. Can I go to a kiosk in the mall and buy non-refrigerated meat, please? Whenever I get into an Uber, I have a steak knife. Then they asked for your name and you said it's Merry Christmas. You heard me. Write it on the cup. There was a podcast-shaped hole in my heart. It was like that one scene in Magnolia. I don't know if you guys heard of it. Tampering with the mail is evidently a federal crime. Yeah, here's a, here's a bucket of rancid fish. Good job. Now back to the holding pen.